today on It's Time. If you're a Christian here today, you will have a ringside seat in heaven as God judges this world. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, he's going verse by verse through the book of Revelation. So turn there in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. On the seventh trumpet, or excuse me, yeah, the seventh trumpet judgment of God here. And so before we get to this seventh trumpet judgment, we find uh, chapter 10, this little interlude, you might say, between these two. Now, by this time, according to what the Bible says, two-thirds, 59% of the world's population has died. So you figure if there's roughly 7 to 8 billion people on the earth, you can pretty much realize that there's been a total global population reduction. Very, very dismal numbers, actually, as we look at this. And it shouldn't be too hard to understand, really, because of whether God does it or whether it's man doing it to himself through biological, through nuclear, through all these issues, plus the death, the disease that follows, we understand that um, man's future is not good compared to what they tell us, to what the Bible tells us. And so Revelation chapter 10 starts off, and it says, and I And I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud. Now, again, you find clouds through the Bible. Interesting. Jesus is going to come in the clouds, different things. Some people take this angel to be Jesus. I don't really have a problem with that. However, I'd rather just take it for what it says. It just simply says an angel coming down. A rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun and his feet like pillars of fire. I mean, a, just a dazzling image of this angel coming down. Again, when we see the word rainbow in the Bible, uh, it is not talking about gay pride. It is talking about the promise of God. We remember God put a rainbow in the sky that he wouldn't destroy the earth again with a flood. We uh, talked about a little bit about that, how we'll go to weddings, and you'll see two people under a hoopah, and a lot of people don't even know where it came from, yet the Bible tells us that it's the, the ark is a promise. We find a green rainbow in heaven. When, If you read Revelation chapter 4, there's a green rainbow in heaven. And uh, so it's interesting people that, by the way, in the Old Testament, that got married under a hoopah or under a rainbow, if you will. It was a covenant that the, the guy would always take care of his bride and that uh, he would never forcibly remove her. 
And uh, I think it's interesting that we have that, that uh, promise from God of his love for us. And so it says a rainbow was around his head, his face like the sun, his feet like pillars of fire. A very similar de- description. I think this is where they get this if you go back to Revelation chapter 1. And he had a little book open in his hand. And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. Now, this is an interesting picture. Again, I, I don't think this is metaphorically speaking. I think this is what John saw. And what he saw was a person with a book, foot on the land, foot on the sea. And usually in those days, when you put your foot on something, showed dominance over it. In fact, it was very common for when a king conquered another king, that king was brought and the man would put his foot on the head of the king that he had just conquered. Here we find the angel with a book in his hand, with a judgment, you might say, on his, under his feet, the earth under his feet, the, the, the sea under his feet. We find um, uh, this, this interesting picture with this book. Well, what is this book? We don't exactly know. There's been a lot of speculation on it. I personally believe in simply just reading this that, well, if you go to Revelation chapter 22, he says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you to testify of these things. I, Jesus, have sent my angel. I believe this is probably the angel, very possibly could be, that's described in Revelation 22, to send my angel to testify to you. God's testimony is in a book. People have asked the question, how is God going to judge the world someday? Is it going to be on a sliding scale? Well, I'm not as bad as somebody else. Or is God going to judge the world according to a set of established rules and laws based on his word? The Bible says that that's how God's going to judge the earth. Uh, it's not on what we think or what I feel or, gosh, today I got indigestion, so I'm really cranky, so I'm going to really be mean today, but, you know, I just had a really good day yesterday, so everything's going to be fine today. No, that's not the way God's going to judge the world. The Bible says he has his rules. Starts off again with the Torah, starts off again with the Ten Commandments. This is what God expects from man. The problem is the Ten Commandments were never meant to justify a man. They were meant to show you how desperately we all need a Savior. The Ten Commandments really describe to us, if you look at it, what's wrong with man? Again, the greatest expose on human psychology is the Ten Commandments. Throw out Jung, throw out Freud, look at the Ten Commandments. It'll tell you everything that is wrong with man. By nature, we're selfish. By nature, we want to worship something, but we end up always worshiping the wrong thing, generally, unless we're born again. The Bible says we're sexually deviant by nature. The Bible tells us that there is a a, a desire in us to swear. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, yet you'll hear people, even people of God, say very nasty things. We have body mouths, don't we, sometimes? Well, you know, we need that good old Holy Ghost soap to wash our mouth out. You know, people say, well, you know, you Christians, you're brainwashed. Yes, thank God. We need a brainwashing, don't we? 
The more you're around yourself, the more you realize how desperately you need a savior. I think that's why in a society like ours, we keep ourselves totally constantly occupied by things, our cell phones, music on the radio, uh, our television, uh, kids screaming, whatever. So we don't really ever have to be alone with ourselves to think what ourselves are really like. And the Bible says, Job says, if I could find myself, I couldn't save myself. So the 10 commandments show us what's wrong with man. That's how God's going to judge the world. Well, where does that leave man? We're in bad shape, man. That's why, again, what the law could never do for man, Jesus Christ did. And Jesus Christ fulfilled what God required for us. We better be found in him. Now, he says, he had a little book open in his hand. Now, by the way, I think it's interesting. The little book is open, not closed. Now, again, sometimes in the scripture, I don't want to minor on the major, major on the minors, but I do find some things interesting. The book is open. And generally speaking, when a book is open, what are you doing with the book? You're reading it. Okay, so God has this angel come. There's a book that's open. He puts his foot on the land, put on the sea, foot on the sea. And again, if you go looking, uh, uh, the Bible talks about, again, um, this, this superiority that God's word has over all of us. He cried with a loud voice, verse 3, as when a lion roars. And when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now the seven thunders uttered their voices, and I was about to write, and I heard the voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things that the seven thunders have uttered, and do not write them. And the angel whom I saw standing in the sea and in the land lifted up his hand, to heaven. This is a kind of interesting because I've seen all kinds of books and exposés of what did the seven thunders utter? Well, the Bible says we don't know. So any books that are written, what the seven thunders uttered, you can pretty much just say, eh, throw that one out. We don't know. Why didn't God want us to know? In fact, isn't the whole book of Revelation to reveal to us who Jesus Christ is and all these things? Yes, but evidently what these seven thunders uttered was so sealed that it was to stop. Now, I do believe, friends, if you're a Christian here today, you will know what these seven thunders uttered because you will have a ringside seat in heaven as God judges this world. And when God judges this world, it's going to be that of absolute awe and wonder. In fact, the Bible says when they prepared to open the the, the trumpets, that when the trumpet judgments go on, it says there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. I mean, the, what was coming was so monumentous. Everyone goes, <gasps> I don't know how long you can hold your breath, half hour, I don't know. But however long it was, it was there was no sound in heaven. Now he says, the little angel, the angel whom I saw standing, he said, on the sea and on the land, lift up his hand to heaven. And I swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens, the things that are in it, the earth, the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that they there should be no longer a delay. What we're finding in this chapter 10 is I believe you're actually finding the turning or God now after these first few trumpet judgments that, that happened, the seal judgments. Now you're finding God taking control of the earth. In other words, this is the transition point from man's reign 
all the things that man has done, now it's switching over to God. And you're going to see that rollover, especially when we get to chapter 11 here in a few minutes. And he says, and, I, and he swore by him who created the heavens and the earth, things are in it, earth, sea, all those things. God is now taking control over all these things. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel. Now, again, real quick, the, the seventh angel does not sound his trumpet till the next chapter. But he's saying, this is almost a prophecy within a prophecy. He's saying that these are the things that are going to prelude this seventh trumpet judgment. Now, again, seven is the number of God's completion. We find it seven days in a week. You start a new week on the eighth day. Seven notes in a scale. You start another scale. It's the upper or lower scale. We find that seven is the number of completion you'll find throughout the Bible. And this seventh is where I believe the transition now moves into where God begins to truly take control of all the things that the devil and his demons have done to, to not only heaven, but to all of this earth and all of mankind. And the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, go take the little book, which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. And I went to the angel and said to him, give me that little book. And he, and he said to me, take it and eat it. Hmm. Mm-mm, those tasty books. Bet you can't eat just one. Well, what is this? He takes the book and he's told to take it and eat it. Now, uh, you'll find sometimes we will use the word, boy, that person really devoured that book. Well, what it's talking about, I believe here, metaphorically, maybe, but really more that when we read something, it becomes part of us. Again, when you really take the word of God seriously and you look and see what the Bible has to say, you, you realize that it's not just words, ink on paper, but this is actually how God's going to judge the world someday. And by his Holy Spirit, this is what's going to happen in the days to come. He takes the book and he eats it. He ingests it. And by the way, friends, I pray today you're not just sitting here, but you're actually ingesting God's word into your being. And by the way, what you eat, that's why we have to be careful what we eat, because you know that if you eat junk food, you get kind of junky. Don't you notice that? People have called me sometimes on to every man and answer, and they've asked the question. They say, well, I don't feel, well, will you pray for me? I, I, I just feel depressed all the time. And I said, I want to ask you a question. What did you eat for breakfast? And they said, nothing. I said, what did you eat for lunch? A hamburger. What did you eat for dinner? Hamburger. Funny, you start feeling like a hamburger. You know what I'm saying? We got to watch our diet. I think a lot of times the depression that we can have, even as Christians, can be caused by a lot of things. We know it can be demonic attack. We know we can go through spells in our life of trials and temptations and these kinds of things. But sometimes I believe, friends, it can also be our diet. So we need to be sensitive of all these things. We, God put us in this body. This is our little spirit container, if you will. Someday we're going to get a new one, thank God. You don't, maybe if you're younger, you don't realize the need for it. As you get older, you will. You don't have to be in your 60s to realize you need a new body. I talked to people who played football in high school at 
25 and 29 and 30 years old, they go, man, I ache every day. Sure, because you stretch things out of their shape and they just don't always go back to where they're supposed to be. We need a new body, the Bible tells us. And what we nourish our body with will have a lot to do with oftentimes the way we live our lives. And again, people wonder why sometimes they have different diseases. It's because of our diet. I mean, if you just drink nothing but, but soda pop all the time, it's going to have an effect on you. They say the average American in one week eats more sugar than our, uh, the pilgrims and the people that found in America did in a year. Your old pancreas just can't handle all that. I talked to a lady down in uh, Arizona one time down at Lake Havasu, and I was at a yard sale, and I said, well, how do you like living down here? She goes, well, there's a lot of disease down here, a lot of sugar diabetes and stuff. And, and uh, she says, I don't know what it is, if it's in the air or whatever. And I said, no, it's in what we call a big gulp. You know what a big gulp is? Adult binkies. You get these big things just big around. I mean, I mean, pure sugar. And then we give it to our kids. And as they're ricocheting off all the walls, well, my kid's hyperactive. We've got to give him Ritalin to calm him down. No, knock off the sugar, mom and dad. I have kids. I know these things. Yeah, load your kids up with a couple of candy bars before they go to bed at night. Yeah, bing, 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 bing. You wonder why we feel weird. Well, the thing is, what we eat becomes part of us. And I believe this is the point here with this. Eat the little book. Because when you eat the little book, notice what it says. And I'll make your, it'll make your stomach bitter. But it, in your mouth, it will be honey as in your mouth. And so it's interesting, in fact, in Ezekiel 3.9, Ezekiel was told to eat the words of the book so he could bring that message to his people. And so um, in his mouth, it would be sweet. In his stomach, it'd be bitter. I do believe this little book is probably speaking of the book of Revelation. I, I really do. It's an open book. It's during the time of God's judgment. I believe it will be sweet in people's mouth that read it. But I think as you really digest what's going to happen to this world, I think there is a bitterness, friends. I don't think you can, you can not think about Jesus coming back and the church being in heaven, all these things, and not go, I want out of here today. I had a rough week. I was just thinking, man, I'll tell you, it, it, it'd just be really great to just go home now. And as I think about that, but then you think, Lord, if you were to come back when I wanted you to come back years ago, I remember doing this in church. I won't do it today, but I remember saying, how many people wanted the Lord to come back 25 years ago? I did. And then I said, how many of you have been saved or accepted Jesus as your Savior in the last 25 years? More than half the congregation put up their hands. And I thought, Lord, if you would have done what I wanted, all these people with their hands up would still have been here on this earth going through what we're reading about right now. This great, terrible judgment that's going to come upon the world. So it is sweet in my mouth. Yes, heaven, rapture, being with Jesus, great. But then you stop to think about what's going to happen to your loved ones, to your mom, to your dad, to your kids, to your friends that you work with at work, and all these different things because of their rebellion towards God. You think about it, and it sets in, and there's a bitterness because you realize 
that it isn't going to be good for them. It isn't going to be something that they look forward to. It's going to be something where the Bible says, and again, as I've already mentioned, two-thirds of the world's population, almost 60% of the world's population is already dead. It isn't, a, it isn't going to be the dawning of the age of Aquarius. It's going to be pure judgment on the earth. And so he says, I took the, little, I took the book out of the angel's hands and ate it, And sure enough, it was sweet as honey in my mouth. And when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. I think this is interesting that God told John, John, you've been boiled in oil. You've been exiled on an island, but I'm not done with you yet. You've got a lot to do. You've got to prophesy before Peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Notice the word plural S at the end of kings. That's why I don't believe this book was for 70 AD and what people often try to call uh, uh, replacement theology where the church has replaced Israel and this all happened in 70 AD because when this was written, and notice verse 11, if you like to mark things in your Bible, you might want to circle the word kings, plural, S. Why? Because when this was written, there wasn't kings, there was only Caesar and it was a singular world domination, the Roman Empire. I believe this verse right here says that this was in the future because if it wasn't in the future, you would not see the word S on the end. It would just say, and you're going to prophesy before the king or Pharaoh or or, uh, Caesar. So it's very clear. Peoples and nations. It wasn't just for the Jewish nation, notice. Many nations, as we see in the world today. Back in the time of the Roman Empire, it was one nation. It was all the Roman Empire. So we understand that this is definitely speaking of a future tense, not 70 AD. And you need to know how to defend your faith against replacement theology and against these things. Well, the book of Revelation happened in 70 AD, you know, and uh, where the Bible says all the trees burn up and uh, every living thing in the sea dies. Uh, Well, that was just figuratively speaking. Be careful when you get around people that start twisting scripture. Obviously, when something in the Bible is, pardon the term, kind of out there. Yeah, it's figuratively speaking. But when it's very easily to be understood, I don't think it's figuratively speaking at all. I, I think it's pretty much straightforward. And I think as we're reading this book, I think it's pretty much in order of what to expect. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.